It's time for the Comic Bing Comic Book Podcast. The podcast you look forward to for all of your news and reviews of the best comic books hitting stands. Whether it's DC, Batman, Wonder Woman, Marvel, Spider-Man, Image, Spawn, Saga, Boom, Once and Future, Power Rangers, or whatever book or publisher you follow. We cover them all here. This is the place for you. That's right. It's for everyone. This is the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. Let's get it. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Theo. Got another special episode for you. This time, I am sitting down with comic book writer Joshua Williamson, and we are talking Duke number one, which is the formal, I guess you can say, introduction of G.I. Joe into the Energen universe. Now, if you are reading Transformers from Daniel Warren Johnson and you read the second issue, you know that they made their cameo per se, or they made their reveal and introduction into the Energen universe uh, in that issue. But this five-part miniseries with Duke that Joshua Williamson is doing uh, really delves further into what happens in the aftermath of Transformers number two. So he and I sit down and we talk about it spoiler free. Uh, Again, the first issue comes out in December, but final order cutoff is next Monday, uh, November 27th. So if you haven't ordered your copy of it yet, you haven't added it to your pull list, uh, this is your last chance to contact your comic book shop and have it added to your pull list so that you can pick it up a few days after Christmas. So we're going to listen to this interview. I hope you enjoyed. And then when we come back, I am going to do two reviews of two Joshua Williamson books, uh, one being uh, volume two of his image series, Dark Ride, and then the other is his Superman run, issue number seven over at DC Comics. Uh, Issue number eight actually comes out this Tuesday or tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast uh, this Monday as I released it. Uh, But hope you enjoy it. Here's my sit down with comic book writer Joshua Williamson as we talk about Duke number one. Hey everyone, Steel here, and I am sitting here with Joshua Williamson. Josh, welcome to the Comic Ben Comic Book Podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. Man, you are quite busy these days. I mean, well, first of all, thank you for making me a Superman fan again because I have thoroughly been enjoying your run on Superman, and thank you for bringing back Batman and Robin. But you are a busy person. We're here talking yeah. about Duke, but there's so much you got going on today. So how do you do it? Oh, I just don't sleep. <laughs> That's the answer. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy because it's still work and it's still hard, but you know, when you have this opportunity, like I've, I've loved comics my whole life, you know, like my parents read comic books. I grew up in a house with comic books. All I wanted to do since I was a little kid was make comic books. Like that was it. And so we have this opportunity that I have, like I'm very lucky and blessed to be in this situation where I can make comic books. I'm going to do, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do as much as I can. And so for me, it's like, if, you know, if I have an opportunity to write Superman, I love Superman, let's go. And I feel the way, you know, I, I always look at projects of like, I have to be obsessed with it. Right. And, you know, that's what I was thinking about with all the creator own books I've done with Nailbiter or Ghost at a Birthright. And, and that was the thing with G.I. Joe, too. But it's like, I feel like, you know, I have this opportunity. I'm going to run with it. And so I do it. I just, I just work hard. You know, I'm in here every day, uh, every every weekday. I'm in here five days a week, but I'm in here for like 12 hours each day. You know, so it's like I just I just hustle and, and work a bunch. I keep a lot of notebooks, a lot of whiteboard, a lot of scheduling. And I just, just hustle as much as I can to get as much done as I can. Because at the end of the day, I really love it. And I love these characters. I love this medium so you know to me it's like let's go you know so that's how that's how i do it i just i just work hard and get it done and you know again because i love it so much it's uh it's one of those things where it's like more than a job you know so that's how i i guess i get it done well as a part of this busy schedule of yours you are now part of the team of the Enagon universe this partnership 
between Hasbro and Skybound, and you're working on the G.I. Joe side of things. And the first induction of G.I. Joe into Enagon is with Duke number one. FOC is just a few days away, and that's primarily what we're going to talk about here today. So let me ask you this question if I can. Why Duke? Why is he the, why is he the one to be the first to induct? Oh man, uh, Robert hates Robert Kirkman hates when I say this, but um, I always joke and I say because that's what Robert wanted. <laughs> uh, you know, it, Duke is such a fascinating character, right? And we we definitely talked about this. Who else is there? Who who else was there that, that made sense, right? Because it depends on your point of view. Because if you're a cartoon person, that means that Duke was the leader. Right. If you come in from the comic books, Duke didn't appear until much later. Right. So it's like, you know, even with the toys, you know, Duke was in that initial round. So it does it does take a moment to kind of look at the different perspectives of it. But the more and more conversations we had, it just made sense for it to be Duke because he is synonymous with the brand. Right. Like if you know G.I. Joe, you probably know who Duke is. Right. And regardless of what point of view you're coming at, you understand Duke is one of the leaders. So that's that's a piece of it. But there was also really fascinating to me about who is Duke, right? Like, who is he as a person, right? Who is he as a character? And take somebody who, you know, it's interesting because people either love Duke or they think he's bland and boring, right? Like, you yeah. kind of have these two these two dynamics sometimes. Yeah. So to me, I was like, well, let's take him and let's change it up. Let's show why. Let's show why this character's great. You know, let's show, let's show how to do something different with him and show his origin story. Right. Like, how does he become Duke? Right. How does he become the leader of this crew of people? And what is his place in this Energon universe that we're building? Right. What role does he fill? And so for him, we were just looking at that where it was like, you know, you have this guy who's, you know, a self-proclaimed man of action. You know, you have this guy who is uh, been a military man his whole life, but has always been this person that would reject any kind of promotion any kind of office job or whatever, any kind of like that kind of leadership. He was like, no, I'm in the ground. I'm with, I'm with the soldiers on the ground and take him and then throw somebody like him into this world. Right. Because with void rivals, you have aliens and then with transformers, you have robots, right. That are also aliens that turn into cars. Right. And then you take this dude, you take this guy who thinks he knows everything. Who's kind of seen it all. Um, like like Conrad, because I'm going to call him Conrad right now, because even though his codename is Duke, I feel like it's Conrad for a minute, right? So it's like, you know, to take Conrad and to put him in that world, uh, it gave us some interesting opportunities with him and using him as a point of view into this new universe that we're building. So that, those are all the reasons why we picked him. You know, it was, you know, it was a lot of conversations about it before we got there. So so it it is a fair assessment to say that this is not the typical Duke for fans who may have been reading or who are reading Real American Hero. This is not the yeah. Conrad Hauser that's in those pages, and this is not Channing Tatum. So he dies no, in the movie. So these, this is a this is a brand new character again that we all know. And I'm a child of the '80s, so for me, it was the cartoons <laughs> first and the toys. But yeah, me this, too. This isn't the character that we all knew that we're going to be exposed to in the pages of Duke. Yeah, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take, you know, I wanted to take Duke and we do this at the very beginning of issue one. We show you the Duke that is like the action hero Duke, right? We show that right out the gate, first three pages. Boom, here's that version of Duke. And then we break him, you know, like I wanted to take Duke and break him down a little bit and kind of get him to a point where he is questioning everything, you know, Uh, he's questioning all his beliefs, all these things that he thought he knew. And put him in again into this like kind of broken, not rock bottom, not rock bottom at all, but just put him into a kind of broken situation where it isn't the person that you thought you knew, right? And that's what we're doing with all these properties is that we want to kind of make it where it's like, we don't want it to be completely predictable, you know? So it's like, how do we do these twists and turns? That was part of it with Duke where it's like, we're going to show you what you know, and then we're going to break him a little bit and then build him back up, but show that process of building back up. And then show how he's different in the end and why he deserves to be the leader of, of G.I. Joe. That's great. And, and as someone who's seen these preview pages, especially from the from the Ashcan edition that we were provided at New York Comic Con, 
fans will be excited to see this new version, not just not just literally from the words that he's speaking, but also visually when you see yeah. how Tom depicts him as time goes on. And so speaking of Tom, if you can bring us readers into a day in the life of Joshua Williamson and Tom Raleigh <laughs> as they work on the pages of Duke. How, how is that done? Oh, it's it's we're uh, it's very interesting because you know we live on opposite sides of the United States. You know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, he is in the East uh, in Rhode Island. You know, so we're in completely different parts. Um, so it's texting. You know, it's a, it's texting, it's writing. Uh, with this one in particular, you know, because um, you said I'm a, I'm a busy person, so I write a lot of books. You know, and so I have a week that I dedicate to this. And so in that week, you know, I, I actually wrote the outline for this stuff a long time ago. Before, before Tom became involved, I wrote the outlines for everything. And so, you know, here at the house, it's just I, I break things up on whiteboards. I figure out what the story is. I figure out what I want to do. And then I start writing, you know, and I sit, spend about a week on a script, give or take, depending on some things, you know. Uh, I write that script go through, do pre-reading, editing, you know, give it over to Skybound. We talk it out with them. They give over to Hasbro. We discuss if there needs to be changed. It needs to, you know, any kind of continuity stuff or anything that I'm missing that Hasbro thinks needs to be in there, we work on it. But thankfully, Hasbro's been really trusting of us, you know? They have a lot of faith in what Skybound is doing. Um, they let us a lot of leeway to do some different stuff that, again, will be unexpected. But then after all that, then it's given to Tom. Right. And that's where the real work starts because then Tom is actually drawing this book and that's the hardest part of the whole process. And so Tom and Rhode Island starts drawing it, but he will send me stuff. He'll text me, he emails, you know, he'll do out layouts and we talk about some different pieces here and there. But because Tom is also a fan of GI Joe, it makes it really fluid and really easy. And he's taking the scripts and he's just elevating them. You know, he's just taking the ideas we have on the page and he's just making them, really dynamic and really fun and big, you know, like there's a scene and I talk about this in New York a little bit, but there's a scene in issue one where I had it, where it was like Duke was going to fight some guards. And I, I don't remember how many guards I said, I think I said five guards. And then uh, Tom was like, no, it's Duke. I gotta go, gotta go hard. And so he made it where it's like, I don't know, man, it's like 25 guards. It's so many, it's a crazy page. It's just like Duke being completely swarmed by so many guards. And it's like, Tom, you're just giving yourself extra work. I mean, it looks amazing. <laughs> it looks so cool, but you just gave yourself all this extra work. So, yeah, with Tom, you know, then it's like texting and just emails. And, uh, you know, but it's with Tom. I've known Tom for a while. We worked with each other a couple times before this. And I, I know he he's a really good storyteller. Uh, so it's a lot of faith of just like letting him, you know, cut loose just watching him work uh it's been it's been really fun and let him visualize does... what's that i was say let him visualize yeah yeah and he's coming back with stuff where it's like it's just dude it is it is so cool there's <laughs> stuff in this book that is bonkers that he just goes goes nuts doing he put he, he put duke into batman mode yeah five now nah, he can take five give him 25 <laughs> yeah oh yeah well it's interesting with this version of Duke, like you were saying, like he visually looks different than the Duke you're used to, you know, like we went, we went and as you see later in the issue, you know, he has a little bit of a beard. He's let his hair grow long. You know, this is a little bit different than what people are, are used to from him. And so we wanted to, to show that. And that all really, you know, it's funny because to me, when I was writing the script, I think even the script, I had him even more disheveled, but Tom really found that balance of making him still be Duke, but it felt, you know, it's tough. Like he made it so it still feels like him, you know, it still feels like Duke, even though he looks different, but that was because of Tom. Like Tom's really being thoughtful about what he was doing with the art in this book. So we have Duke now being broke down. How long is this breakdown going to last? So are we going to see him truly tormented or things? I mean, it's a mini series. So we know mm -hmm. at some point we're going to get to an ending, quote unquote, because again, it just leads no, to the No, because, you know, universe. in a lot of ways, you know, this, this story, 
does kind of stand alone. Like it does have a purpose. This story has a purpose, but it is a piece of a much bigger story. Right. So there's no actual ending. It's like, you know, the A plot ends essentially. Right. Right. It's like, and Duke does realize something, you know, I, I think in these first five issues, it's about giving Duke an emotional journey. You know, like, I mean, that's really what we're doing with him. We're giving him, again, like I said, he had this, like, crisis of, of faith. And his worldview had changed because of what happens in uh, Transformers. And so I wanted to take him and, you know, yeah, give him this kind of journey he goes on. And so part of that journey, he does, I want to say he learns something, but that's kind of what it is. Like, he, he basically starts to become the Duke that we all know and love. We've heard to see those steps really start to build by the time we get to the five issues. And then, but then again, these five issues are just pieces of a much bigger story that we're telling. I'm, I'm excited. Again, I've, I've seen number one already, so I'm excited for where things can Oh, you go. saw number one? Yeah, so you know. So, yeah, you saw something. So, 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 so yeah, yeah I, I saw, I, again, I saw the Ash Can issue, you know, which is the issue without the dialogue. Uh, but mm-hmm. I was able to get some previews to uh, prepare for this. And, and I'm just excited to see where this can go. So, again, this is a larger universe. Duke is a part of a larger inter- universe with regards to G.I. Joe itself. And then that's a part of an even larger universe with Enagon. How often do you guys talk with regards to what's next in the universe? So, of course, you just mentioned Duke realizes something that happens in Transformers. How often do you and Daniel and Robert get together to talk about, hey, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm going? Well, because we have a much larger plan that's been built out, you know, we did a lot more talking early, early on. And so now we don't have to talk to us often because like once we kind of built what the plan was, we kind of figure all these pieces out, you know, then it was like, well, now it's time to get to work. Like Daniel goes to his corner, Robert goes to his, I go to mine. And so we talk every few months at this point, you know, um, thankfully Skybound and Hasbro and like, you know, the editors at Skybound and then Sean Mackowitz, who's a publisher at Skybound. These projects for this, this universe, this project is very, very important for Skybound. They really want to make sure they get it right. And so I talk to Skybound, I don't know, like at least once a week, you know, and I talk to uh, Sean Mackowitz a lot. He, and in Sean is the editor, the, the group editor for the for the universe. Oh no, he's the Sean Mackowitz is the the publisher of Skybound, and oh, so okay. he, yeah, so he's the publisher. But I mean, he was an editor before. He was my editor on Birthright. Okay. Um, he was the editor that brought in. Um, he was the editor on Ghosted and Birthright, and he brought in uh, Dark Ride when he was still. I think he was senior editor at that point, but now he's a publisher and. Can I say for the record? There are other, are, are, there are other editors we work with. Like there's a guy named Jonathan. Um, he's an editor at Skybound that we work with. But I talk to them a lot and they really keep an eye on stuff. Like they're, it's interesting. Like they look at the giant tapestry all the time, which allows us as creators to think more about the page a little bit. Like we're still thinking out far. But, you know, I just saw Robert. I saw Robert in September. I was in California and him and I talked about some stuff and we, we talked about some different planning. And then I saw uh, Robert and Daniel in New York Comic Con. Right. And we went out to dinner and we were talking about stuff. And, and some of the ideas and the things we're talking about are like years down the line. Like years down the line of like, well, here's what we're thinking about this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And so, you know, we kind of have these benchmarks. But it, it's interesting when you're working on something that's this big. And I have experienced this working for DC too. And, and even with creating our own projects, right? It's almost like you always want to do what's best for the story. Right. You want you want the characters a little bit, little bit, and you want what's best for the story. And so what was happening is, is that you end up looking at you you create this big tapestry and you create these kinds of milestones. You create these markers, story markers, you know you want to hit, but that allows you to have a little more freedom on the page and a little more freedom within the story to kind of move a little bit. And that involves a lot of conversation too, like just talking to each other, you know. Um, if you're doing something nuts to like let somebody know I'm doing something nuts, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, I'm not sure if you've read Transformers number one or not. Have you read Transformers Yes, I have. One? Yes, I have. I, okay, I, I okay, actually cool. read both. Uh, I'm actually doing oh. my review of number two now. Oh, okay. 
Okay, great. Yes, yeah, so you're totally caught up. All right. Yes. So could you imagine if like Bubble Be Dying was a surprise for me? <laughs> it, it, it was definitely a surprise for me. And I put that in my review. I'm like, uh, yeah, you're going to just let Starscream blow Bumblebee away within the first few pages? Come on. Dude, it's so Daniel. funny. The first time they told me that. So here's the thing. We, uh, we had a meeting. I feel like it was a year ago maybe a little more than a year ago, we were having this meeting and, and that was the first time I heard that Bumblebee was dying because I knew it was in the roster, but I was like, that's where Bumblebee's not, Bumblebee's not on this roster. You know, and uh, I heard Bumblebee was dying and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then it was like, oh, uh, Starstream shoots him in the face. <laughs> then I thought they were joking. Then they were joking. The, the child of the 80s kick in, right? And you're like, dude, how do you kill how do you kill Bumblebee? No, I, mean, I, I guess for me in that moment, I was like, oh, okay. Because, you know, you're, you're like, oh, we are doing it different. We are doing something unpredictable. Like, it's exciting for me because I'm like, oh, I, we can do that? We can do that? It's All right, right, let's do something different. So I'm happy you brought that up because that kind of leads to yeah. this next question. You know, yeah. we, 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 we have this universe and Skybound is typically just create our own stuff, you know, independent sure. company. Yet we're taking on two properties with Transformers and G.I. Joe. And it's that that's, that's an IP that's owned by Hasbro. Is writing G.I. Joe as an IP any different with what you can and cannot do than, say, writing an IP like Batman or Superman over at DC? Or do they kind of allow you to do things just a little bit differently? I mean, whenever you're working on IP, like owned IP, right, it has its own challenges because those things have many masters, right? They have books that are like very much have a lot of people who have vested interest into what those characters are doing. And so what you're hope for is it's weird because to really be successful at any of these books, any of this kind of stuff, in a way you have to be able to take ownership of it as well. You can't take ownership of the character necessarily. Like when I was on Flash, I had to feel like that was mine, you know? And it's like, you almost have to feel like it's yours until they tell you no, right? Like that's sort of what you have to do. You have to like try to make it yours and not be so precious about it. And that's one of the things I think one of the challenging things about working on something you're a fan of is when you feel protective of it as a fan, but you recognize that the best stories are the ones that test those characters and kind of put those characters through hell, put them through difficult situations. And and that can be uh, really challenging. You know, when you're working on those kinds of books, yeah, it's it has its own its own challenges, right? Because you don't own it, right? It belongs to somebody else. And in a lot of ways, you are babysitting that character, right? So you can do stuff with it, but at the end of the day, that's not yours. And you have to sort of keep that in your mind when you're working on it. So it can be, it definitely has its challenges at times, but I've been really lucky. Like I, I personally feel very lucky. Like the stuff I've been able to do at DC, um, and be able to come in and take these characters and you know take my own take on it. And the same thing, you know, with Skybound, be able to come in and look at GI Joe. Uh, but I, I think one of the crucial parts of this, you have to do it with respect and love for those characters, right? Like when you come into any of these characters, again, those aren't yours. And I said this before, you are babysitting somebody else's child. So you have to take care of that kid. And, and that's how I see with this stuff. And that's how I see when I work on the DC characters and how I work on with G.I. Joe characters. And with G.I. Joe characters, I always keep in mind that like every single one of these characters is somebody's favorite, right? Like, you know, that's the thing. Every character is somebody's favorite. But with G.I. Joe characters, every single character is somebody's favorite. And so you have to keep that in, in mind. It gets tricky because you're like, you want to be respectful and you want to show love for that brand, for those characters. But at the same time, you got to be true to yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces with this stuff. It's like finding that balance, finding that walk. Um, you know, when you're doing creator-owned books, you have so much more freedom. You have, you have a lot yeah. more freedom. It has its own challenges. I told this, I, I told this example earlier this morning to somebody. I'll, I'll tell it to you, too. Uh, it's a basketball analogy. So forgive me for using basketball while we're talking about comic books. But, okay, so... Imagine you are a scout for an NBA team, right? And somebody comes to you and they say, here is this amazing player. Either they're in college or they're a senior in high school. And they're this amazing basketball player. They have all the fundamentals. They have all the basics. All the skills are here for you. 
but you got to get them ready for the NBA because the NBA is a whole other ball game and it's definitely much harder, right? So it's a whole different world. But you know, as a scout, you know they have those fundamentals. You know they have those basics. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to turn this player into an NBA player, right? That's kind of what it's like working on licensed books and working for Marvel and DC. When you get that character, it comes with all the basics. It comes with the core. It comes with the, the history is there, right? Like all this stuff, people have created a ground for 80 years in some cases, created a groundwork for you. Not only that, but they come with the fandom, right? All these pieces are kind of already here. So for you to take it and make it your own, it's a little bit easier, right? Mm -hmm. Now, on the creator-owned side of things, you are still the NBA scout, but instead of a high school player, they're coming to you and they're saying, here's a baby. I'm going to give you a baby, and you got to turn that baby into a professional basketball player. And that can feel impossible. Because there's nothing there. There's no foundation. There's no ground. It is brand new. No one has, and, and there's there's pluses and minuses and freedoms because some of the freedom is there is no expectation. There's no expectation, realistically, right? You can go into it completely fresh. And so that, that comes, both sides come with some fundamentals, come with some uh, challenges and, and, and pros and cons, basically. That's how I was explaining to people the differences between working for like, licensed books or marvel and dc versus working for creator owned mm -hmm. because you have freedom in different ways in different places and yeah pros and cons in different ways that is actually a great analogy when you when you look at it from the aspect of a scout no matter what sport because yes. again it, it, oh yeah, yeah. You, you 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 take something that's basically that baby that's moldable that you can mold yeah. and and just bring along and you mm -hmm. you can either crash your sale with it and and you yeah. know and yeah i i definitely i definitely appreciate that now yeah all right. fans who are interested in picking up duke and to that extent cobra commander when it comes out mm -hmm. shouldn't have to worry about picking up the pages of real american hero because we know real american hero is coming over the skybound as well but we don't want to confuse fans and say that they're all intertwined per se they can they can not pick up real american hero and not miss out on anything in the pages of duke and eventually cobra commander as well right yeah i mean with, with, with real american hero you know i mean larry hama is the creator of gi joe and you know he's the the godfather of it right and uh you know even when i was coming on coming on to this property it was one of the first questions i had was like what about larry hama you know what's going on and skyfall was like oh no 301 we're gonna keep going we're gonna keep going with it um you know he's been telling this story for so long and it's such an awesome story it's like let, let, let's keep going you know like it still has a lot of meat to it right it's a lot of power there um but that's what that is right it is larry hama's continuing story from the very beginning right like if you were a gi joe fan you've been following that story it's right there for you you know um and like I, i'm gonna keep reading it too with what we're doing in the Energon universe, this is like, it's an origin story. It's day one. This is the beginning. And so for us, part of what we were trying to do was we were trying to look at it and say, like, we definitely want this to be something that if you're a fan of J.I. Joe and you've been loving J.I. Joe your whole life, um, or even you just discovered J.I. Joe in the last five, ten years, you, you still like it, there are pieces here for you, right? Like, there is a bit of fan service, a bit of Easter egg, a bit of a loving acknowledgement in these pages, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure that it was accessible for a new reader, you know, somebody who is not that might be coming in right now for the first time. You know, it was funny when I was in New York Comic Con, it was like bittersweet at times because, you know, I'm a big J.I. Joe fan. Like, I love J.I. Joe and I've loved it like my whole life. I have so many J.I. Joe toys in my office right over here. It's insane. My son comes in here and he plays with my J.I. Joe toys. They're, I said they're mine, but they're like ours now. But, you know, he plays them over here. I got the Haslabs, uh, Sky Striker over here, and he's been playing with that. And just know they're, they're his. He just buying his time. Oh, man. I know. He just comes in there he's and they just happen to be stored in here with him. Yeah, he's yeah, buying but, his time. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, just accessible to everybody, right? That if you're coming in and you're just new, that, that you can start here. Like, it's important to me that it feels like a day one, you know, early on we would talk a little bit about ultimate Marvel, you know, when ultimate Marvel was kicking off and how that was something that honored the past, but it definitely took it into a new direction. 
and some twists and turns. And that's what we wanted to do here. So we really looked at it like that. But then the trick then became, okay, well, how do we make sure this doesn't feel like the obvious? How do we make this, like, take it in some places that you might not completely expect? And so that's where stuff like Starstream getting shot in the face in the first issue comes from. You know, that's like having Duke be broken down a little bit, you know, and you'll see some of the twists and turns that come with Cobra Commander. But that was where some of our thinking was, was like, we want to make sure if you're a new reader that you can come in and you can basically have, you can start now, you know? Oh, those ones about New York Comic Con. All right, I'm sorry, I got, I got sidetracked talking about my son and the toys. And New York Comic Con, they're sweet. People would come to the table and they would be like, they'd be like, oh man, I'm so excited for this book. I never thought I'd be buying a G.I. Joe comic book. I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's because either they know me, they know me because of DC stuff, or they know Robert because of Walking Dead and Skybound stuff. So they're like, or they know Daniel from Daniel's like amazing uh, library of creator own books. They're looking at all those pieces and they're saying, yes, like we're going to try this. We're coming in fresh. Um, and, you know, one of the things about New York Comic Con, it was standing with San Diego that was really exciting for us was that we've been talking about this stuff for a long time. Like Robert kept it secret forever. I feel like, like, I mean, Robert had it. Robert did a good job of keeping this stuff secret for so long, but for us, we were really, we've been really pumped about this for a long time and to see the response from people online, but then also really to see the response from people at San Diego and New York comic con, how excited people were about coming into this universe that we're building. That's been uh, really fun to see that like our energy has been getting matched with people, you know, let me tell you silent interlude. It's probably one of my favorite non Batman stories I've ever read you know dude, just, it's so good it's it's annoying how good that book is dude it's so funny I, I tell this story to people a lot so like so when i was a kid you know i was a big cartoon and toy guy for gi joe right and when i got to college there was a uh, a buddy of mine in college who was like a hardcore gi joe comic guy right and i knew people who had copies of gi joe and that was always the one they would talk about you know, that was always one that kind of got brought up. And when uh, when Devil's Due started publishing G.I. Joe back in the 2000s, Marvel started reprinting the Larry Hama G.I. Joe comics, right? They would do these really nice, big editions with J. Scott Campbell covers. And so I was like, all right, I've never read the comic before. Outside of a couple little things here and there, you know? Like, I'd, I'd read a couple bits and pieces, and, you know, there was... Uh, Whenever there was like a crossover with with Transformers, which is funny now, like when they did that Fortune miniseries back in the 80s, like I picked that up. So with this, I was like, all right, I'm diving in. I'm going to read it from the beginning. And I was amazed by how good that first issue was. Like it's such a, the very first issue of G.I. Joe Hama did is such a, it's, it's funny because it's like a lot happens in that first issue. It is a self-contained issue, but it introduces this entire world. And there's all these characters all these dynamics and it is a genuine like great story about how G.I. Joe has to make the decision of do they let Adele Burkhart die or not like it's you know like that's what's best for the country in that moment do they let this person die or not or do they save her like dude so it is a deep issue one and so I remember getting into that and being like holy crap no wonder this comic sold a ton in the 80s this is a good comic book and so I started going in, and then by the time you get to 21, by the time you get to sign early, that's an issue you end up, like, rereading it. Like, you finish it, and then you go back and you reread it again. Because you're just like, oh, crap, this is such a good book. Like, it's just really cool. I know they released, like, a deluxe version of it, I think, a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. IW did. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a real good... It still holds. Oh, dude, it does. Yeah, I look at that. Dude, it's funny. So every once in a while now, I'm doing research, I'll read... So I have all of the Larry Hammond, J.I. Joe stuff um, through Comixology, but I had it all digitally now, right? Mm-hmm. I always pick it up whenever I need to, right. you know? And so that was one. I remember I was I was laying in bed like two years ago rereading it again. And I was, when I was reading that issue. I was doing screen grabs because I was just like, it's that thing where you, you realize like, oh, this, this page is so good. That it's like how you start to do that math of like, how'd they do that, you know? And like that issue particularly, it's just it's a it's a real good one, dude. This yeah. is a real good comic, and uh, I love it. The pacing from page one 
in that issue was really strong, man. It's just a good, just a good comic book. He he was in New Orleans a few years ago, not at not at Fan mm-hmm. Expo, but at a much smaller sure. con, and I had the chance to speak with him and and just talk to him about how he came up with that idea to put interlude together and again that's just one of those stories that you pick up today and it, it still holds water with how good it is oh it's yeah just- i mean it's fascinating with, with him because it's like you you know that phrase like flash of genius yeah where you, you kind of you go back and you look at stuff and you realize like how in that moment it was like it all came together right like it is you know, because you watch, I've, I've watched documentaries about it. You know, um, there was my Netflix did a few years ago about the creation of GI Joe, and it's so fascinating how it's like they're walking the halls of Marvel, and they're just trying to find somebody who who can write this, right? Like who who's gonna who's gonna write this toy property, right? And Larry Hamill's like, oh, I guess I'll do it. I'll do it. Sure, okay, I want to write more. I got this idea for it, and then to sit there and just build a whole world. Like, I mean, he built a universe, right? Like a universe in that moment, he built a universe that has lasted 40 years. Like in that moment, he just built something. And that's why now, even when I'm writing uh, G.I. Joe now and I'm writing Duke now, one of the things I do, so whenever we're introducing a new character, whenever we're bringing a new character into the book or anything that's, you know, whether it's with Cobra or with, with Duke, whenever we're bringing a new character in, the first thing I do is I go read the file cards. I go back to the original, very beginning. I read the file cards that were written by Larry Hama. And I go read those because to me, that is the core of who that character is, right? That is their flashpoint. That is their origin. That's their big bang or those cards written by him. That is who they are at their purest form is what he wrote. And sometimes they're really funny. Sometimes he would put like, you know, this might be, I might get into spoilers here a little bit. He would put some in that like little character pieces that sometimes are weird or funny, but it was really giving those characters depth, you know, beyond just being a toy. And so you go back, I look at those, and I and I use that as the core for every single character throughout the book. So anytime we're like, oh, we're going to introduce this character, we're going to bring in this villain or bring in this hero, you know, I go immediately go and I look at those cards that he wrote. And I go, okay, what is, like, who, who that's where I look at who is that character is, is with that, because... Yeah, I mean, it's just wild how he was able to build this humongous property. I don't want to call it by a fluke because it's not like, just because the idea that like they were walking the halls and no one else would do it. But he, in that moment, was the absolute perfect person to do it. And he had that flash of genius to build out this whole thing. And it continues with 301 that will be moving over to Skybound. Yeah, and it looks great. It looks awesome. It's so cool. I'm jealous of those Brad Walker covers. Like, he did all these covers for it. And it's funny because, you know, with what we're doing, because we're starting at the beginning, I have a problem with... Uh, I talk about this a lot, and I talk about this in New York a lot. I have a problem with patience. Because I'm like, I want to get every character in here. Every single character. Like, I want to bring in Firefly, you know? I'm like, I want to bring in Sergeant Slaughter. Give me, give me some shipwreck. You know, I'm like, let's bring them on to the story. And it's like, no, 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 no. We got to take our time. We got time. You know, we have a plan. Let it breathe. Let's, let's bring people in the, in the right way. And then I look at Larry Hama and Larry Hama has like, he every everybody. yeah, <laughs> everybody. covers and I'm like, oh man, he's got all of them. <laughs> hey, well, at least you got, at, at least again, from the preview pages, we know you got Hawk. So we could play around with, with Duke oh, and Hawk yeah. for a little while. Yeah, and yeah, the stuff with Hawk will be fun. He's only really in like the... The first and the fifth issue, re- realistically, but he has a bigger plan later. Because in New York, we showed who. It's funny, like we showed four members from each book, right? So it was like on the GI Joe side, we showed Duke, we showed Hawk, uh, we showed Baroness, we showed Stalker, and then on the Cobra side, you know, we showed Cobra Commander, Destro, Mercer, and Zorana. But even with that, there's actually a lot more characters in each book. We just haven't revealed them because we want to be. A bit of a surprise for you but even with that you can see the map that we changed some things up right like because we have baroness on the the duke side but then we have mercer on the cobra side with cobra commander because when i was a kid i always loved mercer and i thought he had such an interesting backstory you know this guy who was 
Cobra and then defected over to G.I. Joe. And I was like, well, if we're starting at the beginning, that means he's with Cobra. You know, and so I was like, well, that's interesting. Let's leave him over there for a bit. And who knows? Maybe he never joins G.I. Joe at this point because the story is different and it's starting at a different point because of the involvement of the Transformers. I mean, that's a big part of this is like, what if, you know, the part of the origins of, of G.I. Joe now are intertwined with the Transformers origins and with them coming to Earth because those things are kind of interlocked now. It's going to create some different dynamic changes. And that's part of why we have Duke the way we have him, but. Yeah, dude, it's been it's been really fun, and yeah, but yeah, watching because I follow Brian Walker on Instagram, and so he'll post like, oh, another cover for for the American real American hero stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, it's like, oh, I want to use that character, but Larry's already got him. Oh, like, I have to wait, I have to wait, and I'll I'll, I'll bring them all in. I'll get them all in eventually. We'll get there. Probably has to pull you back in. You're like, no, you can't touch him just yet, just yet. Give it a time. Oh, dude, all the time all the time <laughs> like yesterday yesterday i wrote uh <laughs> yesterday uh we were we were talking about cover stuff and i was like oh well this character is in this issue can we put him on the cover and skybound was like are you really are you really putting that character in this issue and i wasn't actually it was a typo like i had without saying who the character was i had accidentally like got two names mixed up and I put the wrong name in the email. And so uh, they called me and I was like, no, 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 I, I meant this character. I'm sorry, I meant this character. And they were like, oh, good. Because they were just like, you got to stop putting characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, I'm getting them all. I'm going to get them all. But, you know, I mean, there was a, you know, there was a, I'll, I'll use Firefly as an example. Because it's like, I originally had Firefly in, in, in Duke number one. He was in there um, in a version of the script. But he was kind of in the background. You know, and Skybound was like, you know, why would you do that to him? Like, you know, why would you put this character that you love as a background element, you know, like standing there? And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, when we introduce these characters I love, we should show why they're cool. Right. You know, like, give them the coolest introduction possible. Like, give them something to do. And so that was a big piece of this is, like, making sure that when characters do show up, for the most part, they're doing something. They're not just, like, and this is actually something I think about when I'm working on DC books, too. Like, I'm not a fan of like, oh, this character shows up on the last page and you don't know, you know, like it's weird when I, cause I do it sometimes too, where it's like character shows up on the last page and I was like, look, surprise. But my rule is they have to be doing something. Like what are they doing when they show up? And so that's the same thing I do with GI Joe, work on Duke and, and Cobra Commander is I'm like, what is this character doing when they're coming in and how can we just show that that character is super cool? Because again, like I said, like, you know, every character is somebody's favorite. So we should like honor that. Again, like I loved Mercer when I was a kid, right? Like Mercer was one of my favorite Joe characters. So I gave him such a cool introduction that also was like a little bit of a twist because again, he's on the Cobra side. I should honor that with all of these characters as we're bringing them in because, you know, they're all so cool. It's like, let's just show why they're cool. And that goes back to your, your original question about Duke in the very beginning. You know, it's like, People, there are people that love Duke, and there's a reason why he's the star, and there's a reason why you know he's this person that was chosen. So let's show it. Let's really let's get him there, you know, and then tell him, take him on this uh, this journey. That's great. I, 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 I'm excited for the rest of the series, just based on issue one already. But again, awesome. I've been on board with in the, in the John from day one with Void Rivals, and I've been covering it. Ever since, again, working on my review for Transformers number two right now. But we are, a, you know, a few days from Thanksgiving and then not too long mm-hmm. after that, we have FOC for Duke number one. So readers, you got to go out there and get your orders in to pick up a copy. If we have a few stragglers that are still sitting on the fence, how do you get how do you get them across the finish line? How do you sell them? Well, with this book, I guess it depends on who that person is. If they're a G.I. Joe fan, I mean, the thing I would say to them is like, listen, I'm a fan too. You know, like I love this too. And and we're really trying to approach it from a, a point of love. And so for you, I, I would ask like, trust us, like trust us and let us show you this world that we're building, that it really is built from a place of love, right? Like come with us on this journey. It's going to be nuts at times. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, you know? There's ups and downs. The roller coasters can be nuts, but it's all built from a place of love. So just come with us on this journey. If you're a new reader, if you're a new reader who's never read G.I. Joe before, come and see why we love it, 
right? Like come and see why this thing has lasted for 40 years and come and see why we have been loving it this whole time. So just come with us on the journey and know that this is the beginning of the story, right? I know that sometimes these worlds get so big that they feel like they're not accessible and they feel like they can be scary, they can be daunting. Like, where do I start, right? That's always the things you hear. You know, when I worked at the comics in high school and college, you hear, where do I start all the time, right? Uh, here, we are giving you that position right now. We're giving you a place. The door is open, come in and join the party. And what we're building, you can see what we're building, Star Wars Void Rivals and with Transformers and now with Duke and Cobra Commanders. So just come with us on this journey. I'm excited. I'm already on board. So Duke number one it releases in December from Skybound and Image. Joshua, so if, if the fans want to keep up with what you're doing, how can they find you? The best way to find me right now uh, is you go to uh, Twitter at Williamson underscore Josh. Um, that's the best place. You know, my assistant runs it and they, they do regular updates, but we're also going to be relaunching my newsletter uh, next month. And that's a good place to find out whatever news is going on with all my books is if you follow my, my newsletter and the links for my newsletter are in the, uh, are on my Twitter. Great. And I will also have those links in the show notes. So make sure you keep awesome. up with Josh. Joshua Williamson, thank you so much for joining me here on the Comic Bank Comic Book Podcast. After Duke number one comes out, we got to get back together again. So, you know, and yes, I just, sure. I, the, the statues, just you can go ahead and pack them up for me. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll send, I'll send yeah. them your way. Yeah, yeah send, 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 way. send them my way. I, I really appreciate <laughs> it. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So, again, I want to thank Josh for joining me and giving me a little time of his, from his day to talk about Duke number one and its release in December again. Duke number one releases at Image Comics and Skybound on December 27th. Uh, again, final order cutoff FOC is next Monday, November 27th. Uh, so again, if you haven't picked up your copy of it yet, please make sure you reach out to your comic book shop and have it added to your pull list so that you can pick it up and and again, I'm, I, I look forward to having Josh back on the podcast again uh, sometime in the future after Duke releases uh, to talk more about Duke, but also to talk about some of his other stuff. We we had a few minutes before we started recording, uh, but it's good to know I can get him back on the podcast and we can talk about some of his other projects that he's working working on. Uh, particularly what he's doing with Batman and Robin and Superman uh, over at DC, but also some of his own create own stuff. Uh, I, I'm currently reading Dark Rides and I'm really enjoying that, which says a lot considering I am typically not a fan of horror. Uh, but speaking of Dark Rides, uh, let's talk a little bit about it. So, Volume 2 of the series, which came out last month in October and collects issues 5 through 8, uh, picks up after Summer realizes that her brother is dead and she finds, she finds his body hanging inside of the ride Devil do, uh, Devil's Due at the park. And it then takes a whole new twist on things as Summer and Sam somehow team up uh, to investigate how her brother might have, might have died. And also just some of the other things that Sam had started to witness now. At the end of volume one, as he, as Sam uh, catches Summer at the park and, and she gets into Devil's Due and then finds her brother, find Owen's body, uh, and he's accosted by the mascots from the park. And the entire scene in those in those last few pages uh, as it gets to the part where they find Owen hanging is 
just weird. And it, it allows the two of them after we get into volume two, uh, to team up to try to find out more as to what's going on. And we also see that Sam's twin sister, Halloween, is starting to do things a little differently as well. Uh, if you're reading the series, and you should be reading it, and I again say that as someone who does not typically follow horror, uh, but if you're reading the series, you know, early on when she first makes her appearance, uh, she really doesn't have much to do with Devil Land. She doesn't play a role in the operations of the park. She does her own thing in Hollywood, uh, as as Sam mentioned when she first showed up and they kind of had it back and forth. You know, he was the, he was supposed to have the park and she was supposed to have Hollywood and Vegas. And, you know, she was the influencer, the actress, you know, the one who was the PR nightmare. Uh, but in volume two, she is starting to get a little bit more ingrained in what's going on at the park, partly due to what dad is doing and how Mr. Dante is getting his feel for what his kids are and are not doing to continue his legacy. But to not spoil everything, and again, even though Volume 2 has been out, by the time we get to the end, we learn a whole lot more about how the Dante family are where they are right now. And we, we learn a little bit more about their father, about Sam and Halloween's father, uh, Andre, that makes you wonder whether or not things truly are how it seemed when the story first began, especially in volume one. And not necessarily to the sense that will make you more sympathetic to him, uh, but it is absolutely weird in a good way where Joshua Williamson is taking these characters and how he's developing them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens between Sam and Summer, uh, because there definitely seems to be a connection between those two, not necessarily saying romantically, uh, but these two seem to be in tune with one another. But it's also going to be interesting to see what happens with Halloween now that she's learning more about her family's history as well. Not necessarily as much as Sam, uh, but she seems to be learning more also. But we get to the end of volume two, and again, Joshua Williamson takes us in another direction with uh, Sam's daughter, Autumn, who has now been kidnapped by the monster mascots and they've attacked his ex-wife Victoria and has taken Summer sorry who and has taken Autumn uh, who has kind of been not necessarily possessed but influenced by some of the demons to hurt herself and now they are taking her to Devil's Due with the idea of using her blood as a sacrifice. So we will see how that plays out. And obviously, uh, issue number nine, which picks up volume three of the series, is out. Uh, if you are not reading it uh, and, wants to, and want to catch up, pick up volumes one and two. And then you can go jump right into issue number nine, which is where uh, volume three 
begins. But I'm enjoying the story. I'm probably enjoying the art a little bit more than I thought I would. Again, not necessarily a fan of horror and gore and blood and but it has been a wild ride pun intended uh, I'm definitely loving the art and I'm definitely loving the colors probably more than more than anything from Adriano Lucas and you know just the palette that he's using especially with the reds has been quite interesting and quite enjoyable again. And I say that as someone who's not uh, into gore, but it, it, it's really good. Uh, but again, that's volume two of Dark Ride from Joshua Williamson and Andre Bresson with colors by Adriana Lucas uh, over at Image. Again, volume two is out. Uh, issue nine and ten i believe are also out uh, so make sure you pick pick it up and uh give it a read and and, and support this title because it's really good better than what i expected it to be then lastly i want to talk about superman number seven uh over at dc comics and and again as i mentioned in my interview with Josh, uh, he he made me a fan of Superman again. I, everyone who who follows me on the TBU podcast or the comic podcast know that I kind of gave up on Superman when uh, Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, was brought on to the title, and I really, really was turned off by it. Uh, didn't pick up anything until Joshua Williamson uh, was put on the title with the new run in Dawn of DC and I've been loving it ever since and so everything has now kind of got to this point where we have an issue number seven uh, which is also the legacy 850th issue of Superman uh, but we get where, you know, Perry White is talking about his campaign to run for mayor. And then I'm going to call this guy Nicholas Cage because there's no way you can't tell me that this guy wasn't fashioned after him. He looks he looks like a gruffed up Nicholas Cage, but uh, he makes his way out in his chains and he takes on the super family. And we see that, you know. He was released directly through the actions of Mr. Graft and Dr. Form and, you know, what they've been doing since issue one, first with releasing Livewire and Parasite and all of those things that they did to get at Superman and distract Superman so that they can get at Lex and stab up Lex and get him hospitalized and so all of this gets to this point here and now we see that they are now teaming up to get their ultimate revenge but as we get to the end of the story we we get some new stuff as uh lex's mom makes her way into the storyline and reveals that uh, she has brought Lex's daughter with her. So uh, we see Lena Luther, who is Lex's daughter. And uh, the story ends with an even greater plot going on with Brainiac. And we haven't seen Brainiac in a while. I want to say it may have been uh, not necessarily Lazarus Planet, but it's been a while. But there's a bigger plot going on with with Brainiac and his quest to get all of the knowledge of Krypton uh, into his data bank. But uh, again, I am enjoying, I'm, I'm loving what Joshua Williamson is doing on Superman. Now, art-wise, from the beginning, uh, the art has typically been by Jamal Campbell, 
But with this issue, Jamal is only doing the cover. Uh, we we got guest star. I don't well. I won't say guest star. That's because uh, Jamal isn't on issue number eight either. But uh, we get art from Glenn Melinkoff and Dan Jurgens and Norm Rappin and Edwin Gallman and. It's okay from the standpoint that they're doing distinct pages. It's not being mixed up with them doing page at the page. You know, they have different parts of the overall story. So you, you don't get too confused with trying to figure out who's doing what art. But uh, Jamal Campbell isn't doing the art anymore. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I really enjoyed the work that he was doing, and I, and I hope his absence, uh, he's going to continue doing the covers, but I hope that his absence on the story itself is uh, temporary, and temporary only he makes his way back to provide the interiors, because uh, I'm really a fan of his as well. I think he and, he and Joshua are a good team. But that is Superman number seven, uh, legacy number 850. Uh, issue number eight actually comes out tomorrow, being Tuesday, New Comic Book Day, Tuesday for DC. Uh, so be on the lookout for that and pick up a copy if you are a fan of Superman. And that will be part three of this, uh, the chain storyline, which includes, uh, which includes this this new character that I'm going to continue to refer to as uh, the Nicolas Cage wannabe because he just, he looks really like him. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Comic Ben Comic Book Podcast. Next up, uh, later on this week over at tbu we have another episode of back girl the oracle the barbara gordon podcast we'll be on the lookout for that and then on this friday we have another episode of the tbu comic podcast with ian steph and myself uh, and then that following week uh, we have another episode of the batman universe podcast with scott and the gang but uh also, remember, we still have time. You still have time to register and win and take a chance on winning a copy of Duke Number 1, the Ashcan issue from Skybound and Image. Again, I'll be taking entries until the end of the month, the end of November. Uh, so make sure if you haven't entered that you do so again. In order to do so, uh, follow us either on Twitter, X, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Hive, wherever you you do your social media, follow us. Uh, then leave us a five-star review and reach out to us and let us know that you've done those things. I'll be picking two lucky winners to win a copy of that Ash Can issue that you heard me and Josh talk about in the interview, uh, which is Strictly the Art and Black and White. Uh, again, that contest is open until the end of November, and I'll be taking picking two winners for that. Uh, but again, that's it for this episode. I want to thank you all once again for uh, supporting the podcast and listening in. Again, you can follow the Comic Ben Comic Book Podcast wherever you get your lo your favorite podcasts. Uh, we're also going to be getting to do uh, episodes on YouTube. I'm looking to do that uh, hopefully in the beginning of 2024. But you can follow us all on social media. Again, we're on Twitter X. We're on Facebook. We're on Blue Sky. We're on Threads. We're on Hive. And on Instagram, uh, give us a follow. We're going to be doing a whole lot more stuff in the near future as we uh, bring on some more uh, publishers who we're following exclusively and uh, doing more comic book reviews. Uh, if you are interested in writing reviews or original content, reach out to me at uh, theo at thecomicbookspot.com. Let me know. 
I'll reach out to you, get some details, and have you join the staff as well. A lot of fun stuff going on uh, that we're doing and, and things that we have planned for the future. But again, thank you all so much for your support. Uh, this is going to be the last one before the holiday. So uh, hope you all have a wonderful, safe, and joyous Thanksgiving holiday. I'll see you all here on the Comic Bin uh, in December, but I'll be seeing you all again this Friday on the TBU Comic Podcast. Uh, but again, until next time, keep reading those comics.